just not what I am, even though my zip code has changed. I might smile and enjoy where I'm currently employed. Your soul can't be rearranged. But it's hard to understand. It's so hard to understand. Farewell, fam. It's episode 18 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast, your weekly Milwaukee Brewers podcast. I'm Steve Garshinsky, and joining me is Ryan Topp. JP Breen is currently cramming for finals or whatever PhD students do, but he'll be back next week on the podcast. So uh, you'll. I think he said he was writing. Steve, is he writing? He said that what they do. He was writing. Yes, they write things. What do they write? Is that a dissertation or? No, I don't think this was the actual dissertation. Is this something more important where it's published in like a a, an academic journal? Oh yeah, that could be. No, I think it's. he has a presentation he's giving, I know, because we were talking about that. So he's working so, on he's working on his PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, he's got the PowerPoint. Good good luck on your PowerPoint. Go look JP. up go look up the uh, Jabberwocky episode of Better Off Ted if you want to see what JP's <laughs> <laughs> PhD presentation looks like. So, uh, anyways, uh, rate and review this podcast based on other episodes. Cause clearly this isn't the one to do it on, uh, and help people find the podcast. Uh, take a minute, leave five stars for us, write something nice. Uh, we want listeners, uh, we want listener questions. So follow Milwaukee's tailgate on Twitter at MKE tailgate or email questions to Milwaukee's dot tailgate at gmail.com. Who's getting notifications right now? I did. You or me? No, uh, my friend Jay is really mad about the Badger basketball team. <laughs> like, seriously mad. It's probably good that we're doing this during the basketball game and not the football game, or otherwise everybody would be blowing up at the moment. So We would, we would be having nervous breakdowns, probably. Pro- probably. No, nobody's terribly invested in Wisconsin Badger basketball at the moment. No, not at the moment. Not with the uh, Wisconsin-Ohio State game coming up, which we can't comment on. If you're listening to this on Monday, because obviously we're recording on Saturday evening. So uh, you can also follow our Facebook page uh, for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. And uh, you can follow the three of us, Ryan, JP, and I. And you'll find that on our Milwaukee Tailgate Twitter bio page. Milwaukee's Tailgate is sponsored in part by Sound Devices, a premier manufacturer of audio production gear. And they're located right here in Wisconsin. Sound Devices gear is used worldwide and is found on the set of Oscar-winning films and popular TV shows. And if you're looking to create a professional-sounding podcast, check out the Mix Free 3 and the Mix Free 6. For more information, visit sounddevices.com. Okay, so Ryan, we're in kind of a dead period right now, so we were just discussing before we started recording, like, hey, what do you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. Um, so and soliciting questions. <laughs> we really were begging for questions, yeah, really. which nobody right now wants to ask about. Because we had, like, everybody was excited when prospect lists came out. Mm-hmm. Like, that was great. And and the winter meetings, you know, you can already feel the rumor mill ramping up a little bit in advance of the winter meetings, which are a full week away. So that'll be starting next Monday yeah. in Orlando. And yeah. and the winter meetings are going to be interesting because you have Stanton, you have Archer as far as big names that are kind of getting shopped. You have Otani still everybody's waiting for. And none of the free agents are signed. And none of the free agents have signed. Well, yet. Doug Fister. <laughs> Wait, and Yusmero Petit? Doug Fister and Yusmero Petit? <laughs> like... There you, there you go. That's the hot stove warming up. So yeah, it's... throw another log on that fire. So... Um, but the Brewers have uh, made a couple of deals. They agreed to deals with uh, Stephen Vogt, Jeremy Jeffress, and obviously we talked about the Chase Anderson uh, deal before. So Yeah, so Vogt's coming back on a one-year contract, just a straight-up one-year contract for right around $3 million. Uh, yeah, 
just three million sixty-five thousand. Um, I'm a little bit surprised, but I guess a couple things on that one. First off, it's not a guaranteed contract, so he confirmed that to I believe Adam McAlvey uh, that it's not guaranteed. So if the Brewers were to find a better option, if they were to make a trade, were to do something, it's possible that we could see uh, Stephen Vogt not on the team next year. Not that. You know, I'm not, I'm not wishing the guy ill. He sounded like he was he was really excited to be back and wants to be part of the team, and that's fantastic. But, you know, his limitations defensively are pretty obvious. And, you know, he isn't the monster, you know, hitting catcher that he had been for a few years there. Um, and that was a short amount of time that he was really a good hitting catcher. It was. But, I mean, it, Stephen Vogt's not the starting catcher. No, Manny, Manny Pena is the starter. Though, if you look at it, Pena last year was, I think he played 101 games. He was, Manny Pena was not an, sort of your typical starting catcher where you think the guy's you know, starting about 120, 130. You know, some guys get up towards 140. Well, but he kind of worked into that role. So just to, to take did. the entire season as a whole and and make that projection on him, it's a little bit of a fool's errand there. Sure, yeah. I so, mean he he earned that role it, during the season, so it'll be interesting to see how much playing time, what the split is going forward. Yeah, and we'll have to see what he looks like because he definitely he got off to a very hot start uh, with the bat and was less good over the last few months. I mean the thing with Pena is he's generally a, a defensive catcher anyway. He's a very good defensive catcher. So, so I mean, that's always going to get play regardless. Of what it happens. will. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the question is, you know, how much is, is the bat going to be, you know, a guy you like starting or a guy you kind of have to start. That's the, we'll see what they're, what that becomes this season. But I mean, so. how many great hitting catchers also bring defense with them? There are not many. No, it's yeah. It's an extremely limited pool of players that you're dealing with and you know especially now that we understand what uh what pitch framing is you know pitch framing it's kind of amazing the the bad pitch framers within a few years of people understanding what pitch framing was the bad pitch framers were gone from catching that's why like the lucroy thing is going to be fascinating to watch this winter yeah it will it, it's for, going to be for a guy who was the poster child it was um it was Lucroy, it was Molina, yeah, both it was, Molinas. Well, it was the older Molina. It was Jose. Jose Molina was like, Jose Molina's getting you like six wins on his pitch framing alone. Like, it was extreme. And then Lucroy and, and Yadier, obviously. Um, and then Lucroy, he went from way above average to average, basically, when the Brewers traded him to, you know, the last. He, he, was, he was already below average. He was kind of depending hand, on what you But look no, at nobody him. looked at him as, as his framing being an issue when he was traded no and, and he, had, he did improve towards the end of his tenure with the brewers too. his throwing out base runners which had always been sort of a thing that he had had some issue with and we always will wonder you know how much of this is him giving up some framing to be able to do that to be a little bit more um yeah there was a set to throw there, and also the concussion issues well yeah yeah i mean obviously concussion issues are going to have uh, you would assume have an impact on something like that. I, I know that baseball prospectus had an article at least a year ago. I want to say that they had some clips of Luke Roy catching and you could see the amount of movement he had behind the plate. And I don't know if that was, he was unable to stay as low in his crouch as he used to 
Um, or he just lost the stillness. It, lost the stillness, or like we talked about, you, you just mentioned, you know, he was probably giving up some framing to throw guys out. Like, how much was he moving basically to get himself in position, right? Um, to make throws and and defensively from behind the plate. So, um, yeah, Luke Roy's out there. That'll be a fun one to watch. But um, as far as Brewer moves, uh, Jeremy Jeffress was also uh, agreed to a deal with the Brewers. Yes, and that one's an interesting one. That's a really, it's a fascinating deal to sort of look at because, and this was from Adam McAlvey uh, reported this. So he's going to play for 1.75 this year in 2017. Um, and then he has two option years, one at 3.1 million, almost 3.2, and then one at 4.3, okay? So he also has $2.2 million in incentives each year of the contract. So this year, he could make $4 million if he hits his incentives. Now, exactly what the incentives tied to innings pitch and games finished, if if he's finishing games, it means something strange has happened with Corey Knabel, and who knows. But I, you don't mind having, you know, deals like that. And he has been... He has been a different pitcher in Milwaukee than he's been everywhere else. He's so well-traveled at this point. And why that is, if that's actually a, you know, a real thing, there are some legitimate questions. He's not, he is not uh, putting up great peripherals the way that he had been. Uh, or his peripherals have, have declined, I should say. So he's not quite the pitcher that he was. But he seems to be a guy that offers them some flexibility. And yeah, and I mean, he seems to be comfortable in Milwaukee. That's yes. I mean, that seems to be more of it than anything because he he had issues in in Toronto, Kansas City, after he got traded from Milwaukee to Texas. You know, he got the DUI, but it seems to be. I don't know if Milwaukee just has a support system. You know, the it's guys. Our, it's our lack of vice. <laughs> yeah, we're exactly we're a very sober non. <laughs> we're a very yeah, we're we're a very non vice ridden city. I mean, it, w- what you hope is that he came up with a lot of these guys. He spent time in the system. He comes back to Milwaukee. He has guys that he worked with as he was coming through the system. So hopefully, there's just a comfort level. It would be great if basically he could meet all of that, um, all the incentives because he's pitching well. Right. Yeah. If he's meeting the incentives, it's basically yeah, he's pitching really well. And it's, you know, this takes him, this would have been his second year of arbitration. So next year would have been his last. This takes him, you know, a year into free agency. And I think we're starting to see something emerge here with David Stearns as he's doing these extensions. Um, This is the second extension we've seen where he has pushed to get multiple uh, option years on the end of a contract. We saw it earlier in the offseason with Chase Anderson. Now we're seeing it with Jeffress. And that is a very, uh, you know, NBA GM sort of thing, you know, the, the Ivy League uh, GM outlook. That's very much the sort of thing they do because team options are fantastic. It's not committing money to the player, but it leaves open the option of bringing them back on what is generally, a, you know, a salary below market. So, you know, and the player agrees to it. So if the player's okay with it, then everybody's happy, I guess. And well, again, if the, if, if the player is performing, they're going to make money on it. Right, especially when you have a deal like this set up where there's these incentives built into the contract where it's really incentive-driven. Um, and I think it's fair to say that when you have a deal where the incentives could basically more than double, especially this first year, the incentives more than double the 
mm-hmm. the actual contract amount. So um, we'll see. It's it's interesting, and I'm glad to have him back. And you can never have too many relief arms that have, you know, some history of success. They're so up and down. I mean, relief Jeffress, arms are just up and down. Jeffress for the Brewers has at least always been fine. Yes. he's He hasn't been a gas can when he goes out on the mound. Yes. Which... You know, you can have those extreme up and downs with a lot of relief pitchers. So, the, you know, if, if they feel like Jeffress is always going to have that baseline that he's hitting, I mean, it, it's worth when you're filling out the bullpen having a guy like that. So uh, they also tendered contracts to Jimmy Nelson, Jonathan VR, Corey Knable, and Hernan Perez. So those are the guys that they'll kind of work some numbers with and potentially have arbitration hearings. Well, so, the yeah, the, the way that works is they, at some point in the future – and I believe it's middle of December-ish. Could look it up. <laughs> eh, whatever. Um, they will exchange figures. So the team submits a figure, the player submits a figure, and the team can negotiate. Some teams choose not to negotiate after the, the figures have been exchanged, but teams can negotiate with that player to see if they can come to a settlement ahead of time. If they go to arbitration, that comes way later in the winter. That comes in February. And if you go into arbitration, basically the arbitrator picks one or the other number. Do we have a track record for Stearns yet? I know Doug Melvin traditionally like didn't go to arbitration with guys. No, it was very like, rare. He had Corey Hart beat him yeah, in arbitration. Corey once. Hart yeah. was like the only guy that went to arbitration. With well, I think he was the only guy to beat him. I think they had. Yeah, you can go back and look through the history. But it was rare that guys even went yeah, to they, arbitration. Yeah, they did a pretty good job arbitration of, yeah, of so. agreeing ahead of time with guys and getting that taken care of and off the um you know, off the off the front page. Um so one of the things that was interesting, they basically the quote that came out of uh from Stearns about Jonathan VR was he is that there was really no question they were going to retain him. That wasn't something they really debated heavily. They were always going to bring him back, and that was tied to his upside. And I think we had a question about that. We did. Uh, Jason Spitz asked, uh, do we believe Stearns is going into the season with VR and Sogard at second, or will the will there be a, a second base acquisition? Um, and I think it's... I think Stearns likes VR, so he's going to give him a chance. I mean, could they acquire someone else? Sure. But, I mean, as far as the big free agent signing, I'm not going to bet on it at this point. What about you? No, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I would be surprised. I think that it would be more likely that they might make a trade that would do something in that realm. I doubt that we're going to see Neil Walker coming back at this point. Yeah, because Walker's going to be 15-plus million a year for... Something along those three yeah. seasons, unless unless you know the market on him just doesn't develop, and you know. But it seems like at that price, somebody's gonna. I think they have have they, a need. They have it covered, and they they feel like they they can get out of second base with the guys that they have between VR Perez Sogard that they can string together, and possibly guys yeah, that's in the right. to Mauricio Dubon. With you know, we have to go back. Perez was one of the guys obviously tendered a contract. So yeah, they're, they're kind of packed at second base right now. Mm-hmm. They have lots of options. None of them are, you know, shining, you know, but we've talked about this a lot. Second base has been a, a thing that we've, we've had to go over a lot and it's, it's not an ideal situation. They're not at a point where you go, Oh yeah, this is what you'd like to have. 
but I think there's enough combination of upside and certainty there to at least get them to the middle point of the season. And if they need to go and acquire a, a rental second baseman for the second half of the season again, if they're you know in contention and, and things look that way, then fine. You, you go ahead and do that. I'm perfectly fine with seeing if VR can capture that magic from 2016. Yes. And be that player again. Yeah. Because that's more valuable than if you just go out and pay Neil Walker and then you're forced to pay Neil Walker for three seasons. That just seems like a little too much to me. Yeah, I, I, mean, when, I agree. When you have the ability to just kind of cover your bases there. Yeah, I think that we're we're pretty much at that point now that we know that those guys are all being tendered and coming back. It's going to happen. So you never rule out the possibility of an upgrade, a trade possibly. But yeah, I, I would be surprised now if they signed a, a second baseman. Uh, Jared Hughes was non-tendered, but the team plans to bring him back. They're willing to bring him back. Oh, okay. They they want to, yeah, they're like, oh, hey, you know, if you want to come back, we're willing to discuss this with you. And that's, yeah, that's where that stands. So I don't know if it, it would depend on if he gets better offers or whatever. Um, but he seemed like a guy who was pretty important from a leadership standpoint. So it'd be nice to have him back. He was, you know, a, a very serviceable middle reliever. Uh, not the kind of guy you'd necessarily want pitching late with a, a tight lead but occasionally you know you're gonna have to use a bunch of different guys in those kind of roles and occasionally he seemed to be up to the challenge so that would be okay uh dylan baker was signed off waivers from cleveland and he looks like he's the last man on the 40-man roster right now so what are your thoughts on that one right yeah they left the 40-man one spot clear after they did the uh they did the rule five guys which we'll talk about in a minute um but Dylan Baker, they brought in from Cleveland, and he is a guy who he had Tommy John surgery in 2015 and missed most of 2016. Or he, I'm sorry, he missed all of 2016. So he was back. Um, he is a guy who throws in the mid to upper 90s and has he's a fastball slider pitcher, and his changeup was developing before the injury, uh, according to Baseball America. I think that the idea here feels like it's they would like to see if they can um, develop him, and he seems like a potential bullpen arm. I don't know if that's the the plan long term, but he seems like a guy who could potentially be. You, when you hear fastball in the high nineties and power slider, like that's what you think is a guy who can uh, who could potentially relieve. So we'll see. I would caution though. There's a very good chance that he never makes it to the season on the roster because there's so much flux in 40-man rosters this time of year. You'll have trades. You'll have signings for agent signings that will necessitate dropping a guy from the 40-man roster. So whether or not he even makes it to you know spring training with well, the Brewers. And what's the cost of letting a guy go back to his team when you take him off of? Oh, wait, no, he's signed off. Oh, waivers. no, no, he was signed off waivers. He was signed off this waivers, is not sorry. A four, yeah, this wasn't a, a Rule 5. Thing. Yeah, this wasn't Rule 5 yet. <laughs> sorry, I'm looking ahead to our Rule 5 uh, questions. So Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of flexibility with the roster at this point. Try, trying to figure out what they're going to be so far in 18 is... Yeah, who's going to stick and who won't and all of that. You know, it's it's fun to play those games, but it's chances are good. You know, you're well, we know we're going to see some pretty major changes. They're not going into the season with 
their 40 man the way it is right now. No. So it's it's going to change somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one of the big changes, uh, is it Shohei? Shohei. Shohei? Shohei Otani? Otani? Yeah. What, do, what do we think? The Brewers are uh, going <laughs> to get involved in Shohei Otani? So there was, uh, was it during Thanksgiving weekend, it was announced that the uh, – that his agent, who's Ryan Braun's agent, also because I think we're we're contractually obligated to mention Nez Balillo or Balillo. I never have known. Already, him. already they have an in. I just like Nez. Nez, yeah, yeah. So, well, he's he's his agent. He's Nelson's agent, and he's Nori Aoki's agent. So it's amazing. Connection. It's amazing that there are these agents that represent a lot of players. <laughs> represent a lot of, especially the uh, the guy who represents Ryan Braun happens to represent a bunch of other players so that I, are good. That are good. Yeah, like shocked, shocked. Um, so anyway, uh, he sent out this questionnaire. Or Nez sent out the questionnaire, and it was basically like, "Tell us why we should sign, or why we should sign with you." Mm-hmm. And like everybody or most teams are at least, you know, putting together a cursory thing here. And the Brewers did. They the Brewers said did. they've yes. submitted mm-hmm. their offer to Otani. Yeah, that was reported by Tom Hunterkort. So. And now Otani is interesting. Well, no, no, no. I'm sorry. That's not an offer. They did not offer. Okay. What they did is they submitted the questionnaire, which was, hey, this is why you should come here. Sure. They've submitted, like, we're interested. And we should we should take they, a second to talk. Wait, about, wait, hold on. We're a little old for this, but did they swipe right? Yeah, that's. I have no idea which is right, good, and left bad. Is that how that works? I think. Uh, yeah. Or yeah, we're old and married, so there, if there, we knew how to use Tinder, our wives would probably start questioning. They us. probably would. So, um, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, they did their due diligence so far and said, sure. We'll we'll have a negotiation if you're interested. And Otani's interesting. He's a really weird situation. Because he's both a pitcher. Oh, that's only one reason that he's super interesting and weird. But yes, he's both a hitter. or He's he's a pitcher. He's a a potential ace starter. Like, he has ace stuff and ace profile. Because dude's like 6'4". So he's a big guy. He's a big guy. So he's looking to, he's a big pitcher, but he's also like a power left-handed bat. Yeah, and he was like the best hitter in Japan for the last few years. And then Keith Law was it this week or was it a lot of people have been talking week about and this a half? Now. Like gave him an eighty grade as a runner. Yeah, he can get from first. Uh, he can get down to first in under four seconds, which is just like mind blowingly good. Yeah, and he's so he's a, an insanely fast runner. Now, the other thing that's weird about him because of the way MLB's stupid posting rules. And if you're listening to this, you probably know this, but just in case. Uh, at the way MLB did their posting rules, they really screwed him over, and he cannot sign for whatever amount. The way that this has worked in the past, he can't sign for whatever amount. Basically, he's limited at most. I think the Rangers can offer him $3.5 million, and they're the team that can offer him the most. Well, okay, so what it is is Ohani's 23. Yes. Therefore, he's treated the same as when we hear about any other like Dominican kid that is signing uh, a free agent contract. Yes. So there, he's part of a larger pool of free agent money that teams have to spend on on kids that age, basically outside of the U.S. Yes. Yeah. So it's he's coming out of it, that pool. It's not the same as when Darvish came over, Tanaka, no. Matsui, any of these guys who came from Japan were all older than twenty five. Therefore, they could basically just sign as outright free agents. Anyway, yeah. If he was going to sign. 
uh, as a unrestricted free agent, if he could just sign for whatever, he would probably be looking at close to $200 million, maybe more. Oh yeah, he would easily be the most expensive Japanese free agent. Yeah, he would he would go past Tanaka. Yeah, but again, also he's younger than the rest of those guys. Yeah, I mean Darvish wasn't real old when he came over. I think he was twenty four, twenty five ish. He had to be over. Well, no, he no, came the, over before the, the new rules. The, the, before those he came rules over came before in. the new yeah. rules. That's right. So anyway, he's a unicorn. Like there's nobody, there's nobody like him, and chances are very good. So what the discussion has been, because he can only sign for the like $3 million bonus, and then he, he And that's becomes, teams that have that available, and the Brewers right, do not do because not. they paid out last season. Right, because they signed a few uh, good young Dominican players, and that you know they used up a good portion of their bonus pool. Uh, they can trade for more. If it becomes a thing, if Otani were to come back and say, hey, Brewers, you really wowed me with your, you know, your PowerPoint, your, your <laughs> Google slideshow, you know, like whatever it was, you know, that they that they sent him their little care package. Um, it, the binder. He got all the the meats and cheeses. He yeah, could possibly said, imagine. Yeah, he got some using her sausage, a little Sargento. There's like. <laughs> a note from Euchre, the brown schwager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if if he were to express interest, the Brewers could potentially uh, trade for some more room, and that's what some teams have been doing. The Mariners have been acquiring international free agent room. They you know, they could go out and do that stuff, but we're not necessarily. What's much more likely on this front would be the Brewers signing some of the guys out of the Atlanta system, but that's okay. a different yeah, discussion. Yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah, that's yeah, different discussion. But anyway, so Otani's interesting because he's basically going to sign for pennies on what his actual value is. And then the rumor that's been going around the discussion has been that he's going to become instantly the most uh, highly paid baseball player in terms of uh, endorsements. And I think a lot of that is tied to the fact that he will be that much bigger of an endorsement figure in Japan. Yeah. So, and then presumably... So lots of whiskey ads. Yes. So he'll be signing somewhere... We think the Otani and Bill Murray whiskey. <laughs> um, we think it'll be someplace in a big market because big markets obviously offer more of an opportunity to. Well, but that's why Seattle's also been part of the discussion since they've had a number of Japanese players. Right. And like yeah. West West Coast teams because the, the Japanese player, you know, that was. Well, yeah. Ichiro yeah. is the Japanese uh Ishikawa, you know, they've also yeah. had they've had know, they've had a number of guys. they've had a number, uh, you know, Texas since they signed Darvish obviously has an inside track. Yeah, like, there's been people there's seem been to think they have that. an inside yeah. track because of that. You know, even though the Dodgers don't have a lot of money to spend, I don't think they have a large but that doesn't really matter when you're in LA, so you're on the West Coast, you're in the second largest market in the country. Yeah, I mean it wouldn't be shocking if the Dodgers could swoop in or New the Yankees have the money to spend, I think. Sure. Well, it's not even money. It's it's not about. But I'm well, saying they, they both have, have the money. They do have some bonus money. They now. have the bonus money and they have the market. Right. And and the Yankees have also, again, they had uh, Matsui. But I think uh, even bigger than the, the amount of bonus money he's offered, I don't. I think that's going to be more of. And this is just me kind of reading it in my own head, I guess. Like, I think it's going to be more about does a team make an effort to like go out and say, Hey, we're going to try to acquire as much signing bonus room as we can. I think it's more about like the effort involved, honestly, than the actual money, because what he makes in endorsements is going to dwarf that. Um, and I, but I think one of the biggest things 
And this is this is where it's going to come down to. Whoever makes him the most compelling offer in terms of what they're willing to do in terms of accommodating him as a hitter, he wants to hit. He wants to be this two-way star. He wants to be this guy that you know yeah, has to come along. He is not coming over to just be a pitcher. He want and and it's weird because if a team was signing him for two hundred million dollars, you know what I mean. If a team was signing him for two hundred million dollars, they would have the leverage to say, "Hey, you know, we'll let you hit some, but you're a pitcher and we're paying you a lot of money to pitch, so we're going to focus on that." And he would have to kind of accept that on a certain level if he wanted to take that kind of money because he's not taking money here because he's not getting a big contract because it's it's far below what his real value is he has a lot of leverage to be able to say to teams i'm gonna go to whoever you know makes me the most compelling offer and that feels like an american league team the ability no he absolutely could go out and play a very good corner outfield you know either left or right you know he's He's well, a, again, if he really is an 80 runner, he could play mean, center too. He could play, but the athleticism, especially in the corners. Yes. And he could do that, but it's not likely to happen because you'd have to imagine if he's in right field, he's a pitcher. I mean, that arm's got to be, he has an ADR. Yeah. Yeah. He has an ADR. So it would be fine, but not that, that. And hold on. We don't want to say that we can like legitimately put grades on it, but generally guys who can pitch. Oh like, no. I've heard everybody say he has an ADR. He throws 102 miles an hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he's <laughs> he's, he's Brett, one of the Brett Phillips one, says, "Wow." Yeah, no, he's one of the hardest throwers we've ever seen. So, um anyway, you would think that whoever and that's why I would say it's likely he's going to go to an American League team, but that it could be an American League team a little bit off the radar. It could be a team a little bit off the radar that he decides to sign with. Because if they make the most compelling offer to him in terms of uh, allowing him to hit, creating, showing him this is our plan, this is what we think we could do with you, and if they could wow him over that way. Well, and we were talking about the other day, like, what would a schedule be with Otani? Because he he said, or his agent said, they put out basically a statement that he'd be willing to pitch once a week. We need a breaking news drop. Seriously? We need a breaking news drop. Well... Sources, this is from Jeff Passan, Yahoo Sports. Okay. The Shohei Otani sweepstakes has kicked into high gear. Uh, or Sorry, he's kicking into overdrive. He has started scheduling meetings with teams in Los Angeles next week. Well, we saw, we knew that. No, 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 I know. But he's... So I thought you were going to say he's actually made a decision at that point. So that was an abuse of we need a news drop. Yeah, I know. You got to bring some levity to the proceedings. <laughs> So anyway, because good Lord, the Badger game. Anyway, the Badger <laughs> basketball game is. No, that's on right this now. This is a, I've never, this has been a long so time. So anyways, the idea that Otani pitches once a week. Now this is, I you know, this isn't crazy because teams have been trying to figure out like what are different ways that we can deploy rotations. Otani seems to kind of be forcing that discussion a little bit more. If he says, I'll pitch once a week. As opposed to every once five every days. seven days, as opposed to five, because I want to be able to play in the field. Right. And, and also it's a it's it's a schedule that they played in Japan. And if that's the case, 
I'd be, I would hope the Brewers offered him that. If, if you're making a serious offer to him, go ahead and do that. Because you're talking about there's 26 weeks in a big league season. The way that you could schedule it in whatever, you could get like 27 starts out of a guy. Well, nobody starts more than 33 games. So you're talking about losing six starts for a guy who's you know, a potential unicorn and who could offer you other value. If that's the if that's the sale pitch, it and you generally have you generally have like swing guys at the bottom of the rotation anyway. Sure, the Brewers they're kind of getting cycled in and out. The Brewers have no shortage of guys they can just go. Yeah, we need you to you know start a game, and especially if Otani, if Otani were to come to Milwaukee, which let's this is not let's be honest. The bronze the bronze Fonz is not bringing Otani to Milwaukee. No, no. uh, The Yankees GM was standing on top of a building making sales pitches to him on Friday. So um, I don't. It was weird. Cashman's a whore. I don't know what that was. Um, But anyway, it was. uh, If the Brewers were to make an offer like that, and or whoever was to make an offer like that. You're not really giving much up because you're talking about then getting him to he would be you're signing him like he's anybody else. So he then comes in with six years of control and you're talking about uh, so six years and three years of arbitration. And they can't sign major league contracts anymore. That's the thing. No, it's been long gone. You, you can't do that. And you also there's everybody's going to be watching. So this is an interesting one because I alluded to it earlier. The Braves got slapped down for their shenanigans that they pulled that they got caught for um trying to sign the international market guys where they were moving bonus money around they had their whole pool and then they were basically saying we'll sign these low-level guys for a certain number but we're going to take the money and we're going to give it to other guys basically to get them to sign including a gm who's banned for life that's an overly simplistic way of saying it but that's sure they were they were doing illegal baseball illegal things to get guys to sign they were working deals with the guys who manage these kids basically um no speaking of which we just got an incoming question which from in. from sneaker wearer. Let's let's do that. So we're talking about this right now. Hold on, I have to switch over accounts. <laughs> you surprised me on this one. Oh, okay, it just showed up. I mean, we can we can do this. This is the level of professionalism that uh, comes out when uh, JP is not here. Okay, just, yeah, well, you can read it instead of me trying to fumble to find it right okay. now. Okay, so sneaker wearer asks us if you could snag one of the prospects released by Atlanta. Who would you take? Kevin Maiton. Like, he is not. Kevin Maiton was the, the number one guy. He was actually one of the biggest international signings since basically Sano. Like, he was a guy that he wasn't just the top guy in a given year. Like, when the Brewers signed Gilbert Lahr and he was kind of the top guy. When Maiton signed, he was kind of the biggest deal to sign on July 2nd since Miguel Sano. And that was, you know going on a decade ago now. I think that was 2009. So Maiton has been, his prospect status has fallen. And I think that you've seen people kind of back away from him. Uh, But he is still the guy who possesses upside. And you would want. um, And he's all of 17 years old. Right. right He's 17. And yes, he's gotten thicker in the lower half. That's what people have talked about. And, all of that, but there. By the way, who thicker in the lower half. He's listed at six two one ninety right now. Well, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, still thicker. The like, let's not pretend this guy's three hundred pounds. No, um, 
So anyway, what we're looking at with uh, with Otani, getting back to that for a second, is he's not likely to sign with Milwaukee. He's likely to sign in a large market where he can maximize his his revenue that way. But I think it is going to come down to who can make him the best offer. It seems like an, an American League team can make the best offer because they can offer the ability to DH. The, fu- the flexibility to get him plate appearances. Right. Now, something I had a discussion with my brother about this while we were on vacation last week. And Which, your brother's a Cubs fan. Right. And the Cubs very much feel like they're in this. Oh, they're one of the top pursuers, yeah. and Even though they don't have the money to spend on him. No, they're very limited in what they could spend. It's It would be what he could sign for would be, yeah, it would not be anything near what he would get from the other teams. But again, that's only a small portion of what he's going to make overall from endorsements and Chicago is the kind of place that could offer those, you know, larger, larger levels of endorsement deal. Hey, by the way, we just got the question. Can Jonathan VR, Eric Sogard play point guard? Yeah, (laughs) man, this thing is totally off the rails now. We're just, we're taking, we're taking random questions. Uh, So anyway, yeah. Otani signing with Milwaukee is, yeah, it's probably a dream. And it, it's unlikely to happen. But Again, if they make concessions, like if they basically gave him the dream scenario as far as what he could get for playing time. And they and they offered him some under the table deal where they're like, yeah, let's we'll, not we'll give you this sort of thing. Let's let's <laughs> I don't not want to see David Stearns get Capoella. Yeah. Or whatever yeah. his name is on, on yeah, that Capoella. one. So Capoella. Yeah, I don't want to see David Stearns get banned for life, so let's not. What, whatever that, that Italian meat is that he is down in. Uh, Capicola? Yeah, Capicola down in Atlanta. So um, also, uh, Giancarlo Stanton's the other guy that's on everybody's mind. So as far as the Brewers making a push for somebody like that, again, another thing that we were talking about mm-hmm. amongst each other, I mean, as far as finding a place for Stanton right now, the Brewers don't seem like much of a fit. Um. They are not. They have, you know, they have an abundance of outfielders. And frankly, they don't need that contract. He is owed over the next 10 seasons, guaranteed $295 million. Now, he can opt out uh, three years from now. So he could opt out, but that would leave him then with, he would be leaving $7 million, or sorry, seven years and $215 million, I think it was $215 million on the table. Uh, I don't think he's likely to opt out. He's a guy who this was by far his best season as a professional. It happened at age 27. He has 10 years left on his contract. It goes for almost $300 million. And he, before this year, he played 159 games this year. But if you look back at his age 22 to age 26 seasons, a time when guys are their youngest, they're they're, their healthiest, they're on the field generally more, at that point, he averaged 122 games a season because he had dealt with a series of injuries. And, you know, some of them, some of it was bad luck. At one point, you know, he took that, the, I was the ball from Mike Fires. Mike Fires was part of that when he was with the Brewers. Ended but, his season, you know, what, but was that was 20 l- games early? That was late. That he was like season, a September 20, game. Yeah, he ended the season like 20 games early for him. So, yeah, that it's a little bit of it. But he missed a lot more time, you know, throughout – history here and guys don't tend to get better he's also they don't tend to I mean, be healthier this was, this he's also six foot six and what 240 yeah yeah he's those huge. guys i mean 27 2017 is his first 
1,000 plus OPS season. Yes, I by mean, far he, his best season. He, yeah, he has not been a monster every year. I mean, he's had some 900 OPS seasons, obviously. But, I, you know, I think the only way that maybe you could say Stanton fits is if they made a deal that involved Domingo Santana. Even then. It but I'm saying, yeah. like, they would have to deal a corner outfielder to even try to make room for him, maybe. Far more interesting. Stanton, the implications are far more interesting when we look at their division rivals, particularly the Cardinals, who are all about trying to get him. There have been all kinds of rumors swirling this weekend that they're trying to push to get him. I just saw it reported that apparently it is believed, I think this was John Heyman, said that it, people close to Stanton are saying he will not approve a trade to St. Louis. And I'm legitimately torn about that. <laughs> um, the idea that he won't approve a trade to St. Louis, I understand. <laughs> they didn't get to get locked into the Pujols deal, so you want to see him locked into a Stanton deal? Right. Well, and they're desperate. They need an anchor bat. They need a guy that that, 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 that lineup can operate around. And yeah, I think they have like Matt Holiday or somebody like stumping for him to come to St. Louis. I'm sure. It was weird. Yeah. I'm like, is he even still a Cardinal? No, he was a Yankee. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Anyway, it's if you look at it, Stanton would make the Cardinals better. No question next year. Right like, now. Yeah. He makes them better right now. But that contract is going to become a massive pain in the butt by the time he is 30, 32. Like, I mean, you're looking at the back half of that contract. There's a good chance that he's out there. Think I, I was trying to say this before. Think of how Corey Hart aged. Think of what that looked like when Corey Hart lost because he's big. And obviously, you know, the big power can come from, you know, the, the levers and all that that you have when you have that. But once you can start to get exploited and once the bat slows down a little bit and your, your strike zone is big and guys can really, you know, work the ball into different spots and find holes in your swing, once that happens, big guys – tend to have relatively early and steep declines. It happens fairly quickly, and I don't think we should be surprised if Stanton is a guy that is looking pretty bad in, you know, three to five years. And then, you know, the back half of that deal is really bad. Now, it probably is better for the Brewers that they wouldn't get him because he could legitimately proved to be really good over the next few years when the Brewers are trying to, you know, compete and making the the Cubs. I'd rather see them go after somebody who's not good already in the outfield, like J.D. Martinez, but who's probably going to command a contract that's also going to be very bad by the end. Uh, Martinez had been, the rumor was he was looking for $200 million. He's not getting that. But if he gets $150 million from the Cardinals, it, I, it makes the Cardinals a lot better next year and probably the year after that. But how much does that help, you know, three, four, five years down the road? Yeah, it's I mean, going to be a, a, probably a nightmare for them. I mean, I think everybody, you know, they're looking at the rotation for the Brewers. As far as free agent acquisitions. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, the Brewers are or, not. Or trade targets. I mean, really, the idea that they're going to go out there and find another bat in the outfield. No, I I wouldn't think they would add free agents the in the center field 
or like, I mean, we I mean, talked about we don't think second base, maybe at, catcher. I mean, at that rate, you might as well wait and see what Brinson or Harrison or any of these guys turn out to be in the outfield instead of trying to spend the money on a Stanton, you know, giving up that talent and then, you know, getting an agent and star, basically. He's yeah, that's that's a non-starter, I think. So anyway, um, what's next? Did the Brewers make the right choice on who to protect in the Rule 5 draft? Uh, any certain guys they should target from other teams? And that's from Jay Google on Twitter. Okay. And obviously, the second part of that, we, we talked about that before the show, um, before we start recording, and that's a little bit more difficult to figure out. Yeah. So the four guys they protected, I think, were absolutely right calls. I wanted them to protect all four of them. So they protected pitchers Marcos Diplon and Freddie Peralta, and they protected infielder Mauricio Dubon and catcher Jacob Nottingham. And there was some question, people debated Nottingham because he's the the ro- or the the sheen has come off the rose, the bloom has come off the rose. Sure, yeah. Yeah, a little bit over the last few years, but he's still a young catcher. Catchers develop at a different rate. And he has power. You're better off having catchers and yeah. waiting to like make sure they're going to fail than yeah. losing them too early. Yeah, cuz guys come up and do weird things like Manny Pena becoming a decent catcher at the age of 30 as a rookie like it's catchers just develop weirdly because there's so much involved in that job there's so much you have to do and the brewers have really been working on him to be a uh you know better defender and he's improved uh by all reports he's he's improved a lot as a defender um so we will see those guys all needed to be protected um well and dubon is a kid that everybody likes that's an he was a no-brainer Peralta was a no-brainer because of the good season he had. Diplon was only not a no-brainer because he had a bit of a down season this year. But they they had the room. They still needed to do that. They needed to, to see what he could do. Well, Peralta, they like future bullpen. Uh, they still they think or he they could start. Yeah, start. there's, there's okay. talk. People think he could potentially start. Um, it's an odd profile. He's, you know, not big, and it's a, it's a strange profile. But, yeah. They still think he could start, and they would like to, you know, obviously keep him around a little while. Um, the guys that they didn't keep, uh, some former big-time players, uh, Clint Coulter was exposed to the Rule 5 draft. Tyrone Taylor was exposed. Taylor's more significant than Coulter. Coulter had a moment where he looked like maybe he was kind of becoming a guy. Taylor Taylor was a former what top prospect? He was the top prospect in the system, yeah, at one point. Yeah, Coulter Coulter's more significant because he was a, a first round draft pick, right? Those guys, but also a top their top draft pick though he was a second rounder because that was the year that they lost the pick for uh, Kyle Loesch. Sure, Devin Williams, who our co-host JP Breen had as his pitcher, he thought was going to break out one of the pitchers he liked to break out this year. And this was on the same list he had, like, you know, Corbin Burns and Monty Harrison. So he had a, he had a pretty good year from that perspective for uh, picking guys to break out. But uh, Devin Williams got hurt in spring training this year and had to have Tommy John surgery and is probably going to not be available to pitch well into next season because teams just are cautious with basically guys. they can expose him because he's going to be a project for whoever would be right whoever would want to take him on because yeah. he, he's going to cost a roster spot. He would have to be on the roster. Now a team. So the way this works with the rule five draft, if a team takes a player in the rule five draft, 
they have to put them on their major league roster for the entire season. Now, the caveat to that is you can put a guy on the DL. So Devin Williams, who's going to be hurt legitimately, would you know start the season on the of the DL. But to get that guy to make him yours and to have him then be on your roster going forward, he has to be on the active roster for 90 days of that season. So if somebody were to take Devin Williams, which could happen, um, they would then have to have him either be on the active roster, the major league active roster for 90 days this season, which some of that could come in September. You could get 30 days out of it sure. in September when rosters are expanded, but you still got to get 60 days otherwise. Um, it'd be a pretty big ask, and it's also tough for a guy coming off of Tommy John surgery like this. You know? I mean, think of the Chiming Wong situation that the Brewers had. Right. Where they let him basically get his brains beat in once a week. Yeah. Basically to hit the 90 days and then he got DL'd. Yeah. And it was, yeah. You know, so here's a guy coming off Tommy John with no major, major league experience. Right. And it, his previous high, uh, he's never pitched above A ball. So no double A, no triple A. So it would probably be. I, I wouldn't be shocked. There's to a little see him. gamesmanship with him being put on or being exposed. Yeah, there's yeah, and this well a lot of teams have to do this with guys, especially who are injured. There has to be some of the you have to play a little bit of these games, like you said. So um hopefully we don't lose him. I like would like to see him, you know, given the chance to potentially develop as well. But we'll we will monitor that and see what happens with it. Um but yeah, I think they they kept the right guys. They kept the guys they needed to. Next year gets even harder. There's you've there have been lists circulating around of who's all eligible for the forty man next year. It's a lot of players. Well, and again, this comes back to you know when you're looking at guys that if they want to make a trade this off season, it's a little bit early to start playing. Uh, it's, it's a little bit early to start playing the well. We need to trade somebody because it's, it's early. But to say that that wouldn't factor in in some way. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure they would they would take that into consideration. Like it, we have a log jam, we can't get guys onto the major league roster. It should make them a a little bit more willing to listen at least mm -hmm. and, and look around. But I don't think it should make them much more likely to say, "Yeah, we need to do this." Because no, it's really not. It's not an immediate problem, and they have next summer to really sort this out and see. Especially depending on whether or not if the team contends next year, then. Yeah, sure. Use some of these guys to bolster your roster. Make your team better during the Make season. Make your team better during the season. If the team doesn't contend next year and you know they fall short and and bad things happen, well, then you can deal off some major league veterans, clear some guys that way, bring in prospects that are younger who are not yet, you know, set for this sort of roster crunch and you know, deal with it that way, creating space for on the 40 man. Like there's multiple ways that this can go. You don't have to make those moves way in advance. You can wait and they should. Um, though if, if something comes along, like you said, if there's a good deal to be made, make it, but yeah, there's no need to like push ahead at this point for that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Pete H on Twitter asks, who is the player most likely to regress, regress in 2018? Uh, I'm thinking Thames and hoping not Shaw. Similar thought or I, you know, Thames to me, I think is an interesting one. I don't think he's going to really regress because even though we got off to that hot start, I think the, the final line he put up wasn't way out of line with what we'd expect from him. No, I, I also, yeah. 
I'm I'm with JP on this when he says that he thinks you know there's another gear potentially there for Thames. Yeah, as a hitter. And like we said, he also dealt with some hamstring issues, significant hamstring issues during the season. Yes. You know, where if he's playing less left field or they're getting him the right days off, maybe he's able to maintain a bit of a higher level. Yeah. Um, I think Shaw's probably, Shaw and Domingo Santana are two of the top candidates, as well as we, we've talked about, you know, the potential for regression from Chase Anderson because he was pitching somewhat above his peripherals this last year. He was, um, though, though he, talking to Jonathan du- Judge about it, yes, what he was out pitching was not as much as we, I think, initially thought. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I would say, I would I would put those three as sort of the top regression candidates. I, yeah, sure. I also think Manny Pena. I mean, again, it depends on how you want to look at Pena. If you're looking at Pena as an offensive force, I mean, I think he was already, he regressed significantly during the season. You know, mm-hmm. so... As long as Pena is a plus defensive player behind the plate, you know, I think they're kind of getting what they expect from him. Yes. You know, it, yeah. it's it's not going to be a regression that, like, the team is unable to live with. No. You know, uh, Santana, I mean, could he regress? I, Shaw's the most likely candidate. Shaw, yeah. Shaw was the one that I think came out of nowhere that people did not expect to be, you know, team MVP and basically, you know, that – the center, he was the centerpiece of the offense. Yes, he was. And I wouldn't say necessarily that he came out of nowhere. There was some indication of this. Red Sox fans, there were some Red Sox fans who were pretty upset that they moved him. He he got off. He was well he again. Was a the Red Sox guy. The Red Sox were not a team that didn't have options at third base, even though they they kind of suffered early in the season. Yeah. So Devers was, you know, a pretty significant prospect. But I think those are those are the big three in terms of regression. We're talking about Chase Anderson. And you know what? You could throw Corey Knable in there as well, I think. I mean, any relief pitcher, you're going <laughs> to... You laugh, and obviously I like to rag on, on relievers. But again, when you have a limited number of innings... Yes. You know, just right. a reflection of what your season is, is... It comes it's, in a small sample. It so. comes in such a small sample that it's hard to say, like, oh, a guy has totally lost it when it only takes a couple blow-ups. Right. If you have a bad two or three weeks as a reliever, it sinks your season. Yeah. It, if you're expecting to be, like, a a lockdown, shutdown reliever, all it takes is a couple bad weeks. Well, and again, you know, you, you have a couple uh, outings out there where you give up, you know, four or five earned runs. In, a, in the span of a few weeks, along with, you know, some other outings where you're just giving up, you know, run here, run there. Yeah, it it piles up fast. We look we look at the 2011 Brewers versus 2012. Yes. I mean, that was a team that it was almost identical from season to season. One Prince team, Fielder. But, Hart, but Ramos Ramirez came in and but was. Hart was, you know, a good first baseman. They brought in Ramos Ramirez to play third base. I mean, offensively, they didn't lose much. They didn't lose a lot out of the rotation, but that bullpen ended up being no, uh, just their disaster. 2000, yeah, the 2012 Brewers were sunk by John Axford and uh, Francisco Rodriguez both turning into, and Cameron Lowe, I think, too, just all becoming garbage at the same time. Like, they were just, you know, terrible. And, yeah, you can you could really lose a season quickly that way, and it's, yeah. 
<laughs> it's kind of the scary thing that you look at when, and it's part of the reason but that's why, also why you don't like to go for short windows where you're like, we need everything to go right this year, which is kind of, you know what the brewers did in 2011. That, that wasn't the year things blew up, but you know, Axford and, uh, and and Rodriguez, you know, that could have blown up well, on them the year there's before. Two way, so. There's two ways to look at that. They either took advantage of a bonus season from the bullpen, or they basically got sunk by a terrible season of the bullpen. Like, you don't know when that's coming. Well, except everything they, has to go right or wrong. You know, if it kind of balances out, the Brewers don't win 96 games, but maybe make the playoffs in 2011. And then... You know, they're better in 2012 if things kind of shift the other direction. I'm just saying, like, it seemed to all go one way or the other for those two teams. But that's why a guy like, you know, Knable, could he be a regression candidate? Sure. But that doesn't mean he's completely lost it as a pitcher. Right. Yes. That Exactly. That's getting was, back to the main point. Yes. There. Getting back to the main point. Yeah. Those would be the guys. So uh, last question. Uh, what would be the biggest news for the Brewers during the winter meetings? Free agent signing a trade or nothing. And that's uh, from Craig Lopasinski. Uh, I mean, I would guess nothing. Um, okay. <laughs> it's easy to say that they're going to make some like major move. But are we saying what, that what during, qualifies during, what qualifies as something? I mean, are, is it well, what the qualifies Stanton, as during the winter meetings? What do we have next week? Not next. Well, week. This the coming winter meetings, weekend, the, the winning, one. the winter, the winter meetings open on Monday morning. But oftentimes, a lot of the big stuff happens like everybody starts arriving on Sunday. A lot of stuff often happens like Sunday night. Like things start rolling on Sunday night. I would, ex- you know, I mean, I would say from whatever that kind of period we expect is. I mean, gonna, if it happens a little early, nobody's going to say it happened outside the window. They'll meeting. do something. Something is going to happen at the well, meetings, but whether or not it's of, of consequence, I don't know. But I that's mean, the thing. I mean, are they going to make, you know, some low level trade? Are they going to like bolster the bullpen a little bit? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that the Markham deal came right after the winter meetings. Like it was, that was one of those ones where like they, I think the groundwork was laid in that time period. And then a, a few days later, the Markham thing happened. And then the next week was the, the big Grinky thing. Um, so groundwork gets laid. I would guess though, I, I still think, and part of this is me wish casting and hoping that it's going to be this, but I still think that it's, this season's going to be more about signing free agents than it is making big trades. I think it's going to tend more towards the free agency because they have the money to spend. They do. I'm still going to be on the bandwagon where you have to do both art or both do both Archer and Arietta. Yeah. If you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, if you're going to go in, do them both. But does that even make them the favorites in the division? I don't think it does. I, I mean, against the Cubs right now, it puts them in the conversation, but it's, I mean, if you have the rotation, I'm going to say you can challenge for the top of the division regardless of who's up there. If you said you have Anderson, Archer, Arietta, and then Davies. The AAA rotation. You think that's the AAA rotation? Anderson, Archer, Arietta. Stop. <laughs> I, I just had never even thought of it. But Stop it. So anyway, it's... Wait, hold on a second. Does that make them a favorite for the division? I don't think the Cubs still have... Does it make them a favorite? No. Because the Cubs would, are going to add two. If if they were able to make those deals, if they said, okay, we can make the Archer deal, and then they said, now no matter what it costs, we're going to make the Arietta deal, would that 
make them a legitimate threat for the division? I'd say yes. Yes, it would make them a legitimate threat. But would they be the on-paper favorite? Probably still not. No. Probably not, because I, the Cubs are going to be projected after they're done with their What the Cubs win this past season? I don't know, but it was below their projection. Oh, yes. Did they win like 93, 92? Hold on a second. This is where we need to have like music. This is where we need to have a producer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Cubs won 92, se- 92. 92 games okay. in a season that they drastically underperformed. Right. And yes, now they lose area. Now they lose Arietta as far do. as even if you want to say he's a mid-level uh, starter, they still lose him from a 92 win team. So even if you want to say they're a 90, but now they get a, team. but now they get a full season of Quintana as opposed to half a season of him. Yeah. I mean, I would, are the Cubs going to win a hundred games? I wouldn't bet on that. Well, but it's I wouldn't say they couldn't do it. I, it and I'm not saying they couldn't do it. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility, but I wouldn't bet on it. No, I don't think I would ever bet on any team to win 100 games. Except for the Dodgers last year. But I wouldn't have before the season. I would have I, said they'd probably win well, 96, the, 97. That was the thing. What was it? Baseball Prospectus had them at 100 plus games. They had them like five or six yeah, games it, ahead it of the Cubs. It came down a little bit towards the end. But, but yeah, that was one where they, they were getting projections. And projections generally generally from like baseball perspectives are um conservative, conservative. yes they tend they tend towards the yeah they 500. don't yeah they don't tend to say this team's going to win 100 plus games and somebody's going to win like 56 right they don't everybody's yeah. going to win between 70 and 95 games pretty much 92 93 90. generally yeah you'll have a really good team that'll be a 95ish win team yeah sure that's about it and so the fact that the Dodgers were a 100 plus win team was significant because they were kind of out it there got modified down it. later but yeah. it it did but for how much flack they got well i think they were more mystified than anybody they were like what <laughs> there was a lot of discussion about the fact that they had the dodgers that far ahead of the cubs sure and like that was something that people were like no way the cubs are gonna you know clearly right win the nl in the cubs the thing that the cubs have going for them is tremendous depth at position players and their top three of the rotation is just fine for a, a contending team. Well, you know, the funny thing is, when we talk about how much depth the Cubs have at their position players, uh, what made that World Series team special is that their defense was so great. And it still is. But you're adding, like, a Schwarber out in the defense. A I'm just bit. saying, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, the depth that the Cubs have kind of takes away from the defense that made that World Series team special. But... Yeah. Okay. So it's it's so a weird. Have, I'm just saying so it's a weird a, situation. So you have a crappy left fielder, but then your your center fielder is better. Al yeah, Moore is a better defender. There was than a time Taller when was. Pat Burles out in left field was a thing that everybody like aspired to. Or that's not what baseball in 2017 tw- going into 2018 is. Sure. And but Schwarber is more the Pat Burrell type than he is. I think what you currently look at what corner outfielders are, which are better defensive players than they had been previously yes you know it used to be they were just tree stumps standing out there waiting for their next step at they were horses (laughs) cabalos cabalos (laughs) if there's anything i miss it it is euchre's uh horse call when uh yes when carlos lee would do something yeah when carlos lee was out there yeah (laughs) 
it, it sounded so natural when he did it. it like did. the fact that he was able to just like pull that out of nowhere. Yes, I do know how to pronounce El Caballo. By the way, <laughs> like I'm not. <laughs> I do actually know how to pronounce it. I was, I was, I was making it funny. So, um, anyways, I mean, do you have anything that you're expecting from the winter meetings? I think they'll do something. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna see some movement. Probably. Do you have something you want to go out on the limb and declare a little bit more, <laughs> or do you want to be as on the fence as that? I think they're gonna sign a reliever or a starter here in the next two or three weeks. They'll sign a pitcher in the next two or three weeks. Sure. I mean, no, there's a always free, a free agent. Will you're sign. saying someone of significance? I mean, who are who are the guys in the bullpen that are available? I mean. Would you use Mero Petit to count like as a guy who threw ninety innings with a sub three area last year? Like, yeah, somebody decent. that wouldn't get people excited. No, I no, mean, no. would that be a move that makes the team better? Yes, I think we're gonna see them sign a starter or a reliever, so a pitcher, a free agent pitcher, relatively short order. The focus is gonna be on pitching, regardless. I think that that makes the most sense. Yeah. You you feel like that that the the eight position players, yes, they're set. Um, and I mean they have a rotation in the outfield. They have a little bit of a question, and they have some flexibility at second base. But they can upgrade as they far as upgrade, the position but. players are concerned. They're kind of they have what they have. I think largely, yeah. Unless they want to unload a Santana, they want to unload a Brinson. Or if Phillips. they decide they're going to do something like it's going to take a big trade, it's going to take a big trade to not have that group that we expect out in the field for them. Yeah. But yeah, I think we're going to, we're going to see them make a, and again, it's wish casting. Cause I'm, I think that it's going to be more free agency than it is trades. So we'll see, but I, it, I think we will see some trading going on as well at some point. I just, you know. I mean, what do you think of the idea that they're they're getting rid of basically their top prospects to acquire talent at this point? I know you're against it for the most part. I'm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're I against think, it for. I think you're against it the, for the all part. What episode is this? Yeah. What if? I mean, like seriously. If I think it's come up in every single episode. If they're point. a top two hundred Brewers prospect, you don't want to get rid of them. Yes, I know. <laughs> so yeah, I I would I think they're probably going to they have so much payroll room. They really they have payroll room. They have a lot I've of totally it, so. lost track of like what the Brewers can afford anymore. Because I remember when like a hundred million dollars was like you know uh, of course the Brewers are going for it because they've spent a hundred million dollars. Yeah, but I mean right now that's not the case anymore. Well no, they sat their their payroll as it stands right now. I mean, they're sitting around sixty million, and that's well under what they could afford. They've been up over a hundred million before even more money started flowing into the game. They were they were up around a hundred million four or five years ago, which where, again goes back to why like they could sign Arietta. They could, yeah. They have they absolutely have the ability to do it. Whether or not it's a, a good deal and it makes sense and it's the smartest way to use their resources, that's completely a different question. But could they do it? Sure, they absolutely could do that sort of thing. They can they can make that kind of signing because there's just so much room on the payroll and they don't have long term commitments. You know, 
Ryan Braun's contract is going to expire in three years, where, where the light is visible at the end of the tunnel on that one. So you could kind and, of, and Braun's contract is not stopping them from doing anything currently because they don't have anybody else that's expensive. Right, Braun's contract is like is currently not an even if you look at because they yeah. have they have the space that even they, if you look at Braun's contract on the books with everybody else that's taken into account, it's not a big deal. No, at this point, it's not. It could be in a couple of years. And I've been someone who's, I was against Braun's contract when it was originally right, the, ex- the second extension. Yeah. yeah. No, we both were. And that's, that's, yeah, you, there's no reason for them to continue to be as low as they are in the payroll scale. They, they absolutely can add to it. The only reason is there's nobody that they want to spend money on. That would, yeah, but that would be. That would be sort of weak because there are plenty of players to spend money on. Well, but there's players to spend money on, but I'm saying they don't want to spend. Like, they look at Jake Arrieta and they say, this isn't a good long-term investment. Oh, sure. This this helps us in 2018, but 19, 20, 21, it's no good. So there's no point in signing them. So if you're not going to sign him, then sign three or four, you know, sign a reliever, sign a back-end starter. Sign up, you know, another catcher. Do something. I mean, is that what it is? Are we going to see this bullpen basically get expensive pieces? That it could be if they decide not to. You know, I think they're going to. I we've talked about this before, but I do think they're going to add at least one starter of significance, a guy who's immediately in the rotation, mm-hmm. who you look at, and he he isn't necessarily going to start the fifth day either. Like he's a guy that's going to start. You know, you got Anderson, you've got Davies, and then it's, you know, is it this guy, is it Woodruff, you know, and I think they're going to add a, a reliever that you would say going into the season, you would expect to see this guy in the, you know, seventh and eighth inning with a lead, like that kind of a reliever. I think we're going to see one of each of those players get added, whether that's a trade or that's a signing or whatever. I think it's going to tend towards the signing side, but we are going to see them add guys like that because there's just there's no reason not to they have the money they have the roster space they have the need they're going to do it so they're not basically they're not going to sign one guy that you're going to say that's going to put them over the top this season you wouldn't think but i mean if you get arietta that's a pretty it's a and it's a big statement it's arietta would be a statement but i'm saying they're they're more likely to sign a few guys they're more likely to sign a few guys that would in a full season put them over as opposed to one guy potentially i yeah that's probably the more likely scenario but you know arietta has if you go ahead and sign somebody like jake arietta it's sort of a big um you're sending a message too. like generally i'm not in favor of those sorts of things where you're doing the i'm sending a big message signing but it will get people's attention around baseball. It will be, it's a sort of a statement of purpose. Like we are here, we are fighting with the big boys for, you know, meaningful players and relevance. Are the Cubs, is is Arietta on the Cubs radar at all? Yes. Yeah, they've, they've continued to talk. I'm just saying. So they they are still competing against the Cubs for a, a guy like that. Yeah, it's the Cubs don't want it. The Cubs are willing to spend more up front. They don't want a long term commitment. 
which maybe like, that's like every guy out there. <laughs> well, that's maybe that, you know, maybe that, that should be an indicator to the Brewers that you know, the Cubs are really well, I mean, hesitating on the long. Hold on a second. But the, yeah. but the only way the Brewers are going to get a guy like that is to basically go over the top a little bit on a commitment. Absolutely. They're not going to just draw somebody in to a short term contract because that player feels like they can win in Milwaukee in the short term. Right. They're, they're going to have to pay for whoever they get. Yes. And Arietta is no exception for that. So basically, they're going to have to buy him away from the Cubs if they don't want the Cubs to have him. Yes. And they feel like he can make a difference. Yes. So mm-hmm. whether or not that's a good deal, we'll see. And again, I think a lot of that depends on what else they do in the winter meetings. Well, and again, if Jake Arietta is a brewer, which is not particularly likely more likely maybe than we thought but it's not particularly i mean we keep talking about arietta is arietta more likely than darvish yes yeah you think la you think chicago who do you think is more likely to go out and sign darvish la chicago new york yeah new york as in the yankees sure okay yeah i think that could happen too um I think I don't know. The Mets keep running through arms. Maybe they just want a guy. <laughs> no, I was talking about the White Sox. Like, <laughs> um, I think that that's you know, Arietta is not. If Arietta comes to the Brewers, it's going to be late. Like if he signs with the Brewers, it's going to be like a Loesch. Obviously, it's really late. It's different than Loesch. It was into spring training, but Loesch was was a late signing. It was. I think he signed like two weeks into spring training. But Arietta would be that case where he feels like he's getting no offers. Well, it would be a case where Boris held out and the market just didn't materialize, and Boris was kind of forced to take what he could get late. That's more of it's. It's the kind of signing that would happen in late January, not, you know. There's not going to be Jake Arietta under the Christmas tree this year. I was just going to say, Arietta is not going to be a Brewer's Christmas present for everybody. No, it's not going to be like that. Um, You would think I would be shocked if that happened Um, just because of the way Boris is playing the free agent market this year. And, you know, just because of the way Boris plays it every year. (laughs) He tends to wait on his guys. It is interesting how he he's a boogeyman. But, yeah, there's basically a, a trend to everything that boris does boris guys don't sign early mm-hmm. they sign long-term contracts mm-hmm. they sign for more than you'd expect mm-hmm. and they get like goodies in them like a rod got the uh the opt-out the first one which nobody even talked about i remember nobody even really until it was like which almost he, happened which he exercised which he exercised and yeah and got another bigger contract which is yeah that's insane well, yeah. I mean, okay, at the time it was insane. Now, I mean, nobody thinks twice about it. No. The way that ended is, I think, what makes it weird. So, We about ready here? We are. So uh, that's going to do it for the show this week. Just a reminder, we'll be... Oh, wait, no, we won't be off next week. I should have updated this. <laughs> <laughs> no, we will not be off next we'll, week. We won't be off next week. We will probably be uh, discussing everything going into the winter meetings next week. God, so hopefully we will be, like, waist deep. In like MLB trade rumors, like I was going to say, hopefully we'll be waist deep in an Otani contract. Yeah, 
that one you just let that wash over your whole body. That's not that's not a waist deep situation. You just let that thing. You just let that wash. You just, like you just bathe, bathe in it. In you it? Bathe yeah, in it. yeah. That's exactly you just what it is. That... I'm gonna put my. I'll just have my towel on and let the uh, spritz. <laughs> oh, the, the, the mist. Spritz. Yeah, the Otani mist. It'll just <laughs> coat my body with that one. So God, um, that is the weirdest thing that you've ever said. <laughs> I. You know what? I'm gonna say it's not. So, uh, anyways, remember to follow us on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. You can also submit questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com. And you know what? Most people ask us on Twitter. So, if you really want to get your question in, mm-hmm. emailing us at gmail is the best way to do it. Um, and then you can also contact us on our Facebook page uh, for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And you can also leave reviews and help people find the podcast. So thanks for listening and look for us again next week when JP Breen uh, comes back and then we're actually a legitimate podcast again, I think, with an expert. <laughs> we get our credibility back? Yeah, it'll be works? a credible podcast next week. Uh, so check that out again next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate. Have you tasted it yet? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Orange and vanilla. I hate to sit and like sniff my beer like I'm a connoisseur of some type, but like it. <laughs> there's something going there's on. There's something there. about it. I, I feel think, like I have to. I think there's. <laughs> I don't know whether to drink it or bathe in it. <laughs> I think there's. There's. I'm getting. Hibiscus and rag. <laughs> Did you buy this at Bed Bath and Beyond? <laughs> <laughs>